I think it's been fun to see that restaurants uh, have actually sort of handled this the best out of any businesses. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily. But I think right, I think they also true. they had to right because they did, like yeah. because people don't have to go to restaurants. Yeah. yeah. So a restaurant, a restaurant they really had to, want to though. Yeah, a restaurant had to make you want to go in spite of the fact that you know you might die. Right. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 310 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and my caffeine has not kicked in. Oh, I'm Sam and I just went for a walk. Do you hear how and? slow I am right now? It's like molasses. I bet you, was, you'll, you'll speed up. You'll get yeah. there. I think it'd be uh, funny if we could have Patrick just, just like slowly speed <laughs> up Adam's speech over the course of the episode until he's just going a mile a minute. Well, he'll get desynced. We could just raise the pitch maybe. Yeah, that'll maybe work. Just kinda, It'll sound like I'm going faster that way. Yeah. Uh, and also, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is May 6th, 2021. Dunk on everyone. And before we get started, we have a warning. There will be profanity in this show. Uh, and we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We got a... We got a Donation from Michael S. Salvage, who oh. says, old buddy of ours, who says, I listened to episode 12 today, and I learned uh, way too much to fit here. So please reference my tweet if you're interested, because it's a formative episode. Wow. So he put a link. So I checked it out, and he had a bunch of hilarious notes in here. Was this Pine um, to Lizard Kingdom, or was that 13? I think it was 13. Yeah. That might be right. Uh but it's it's pretty interesting uh, his his takeaways. Apparently, we had some pretty some pretty uh, good forecasts in there. Particularly that once we launched Crashlands, it was going to be two months of hellish patching and bug fixing, <laughs> uh, which was which was true. It, well, it was a little bit of an underestimate. It's one of those weird things <laughs> where you know when you when you estimate something that's going to be terrible for yourself, and then you're like, that's just how it is. Yeah, how could it be any other way? Years to prepare and make it not that way, but I guess here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I had one other really interesting insight that I hadn't thought about, which was around that time, we had gone to do an interview here in St. Louis at a radio station. Oh. And he's like, I wonder if that's connected to you guys suddenly deciding to improve your audio quality. Right, because like we went into an actual professional studio and saw how they were using their mics and what the setup was and stuff, right? And uh, and then suddenly after te- after eleven episodes of our podcast sounding like garbage, we you know turned it around, turned around the turned audio quality, turned around a little bit. It wasn't until I think like the fifties or something where we like really turned. It we around. didn't turn it around, but we did sort of angle it. We just a got bit. a little closer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, thank you, Mike, and also thank you to our recurring supporters uh, as well. All right, let's talk about what's going on in the world, namely, uh, you know, this pandemic that we've all been living through is, well, we're, start- we're starting to get a handle on it in some sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting our vaccines. I'm fully vaccinated. Sam's fully vaccinated. Adam just got his second dose a week ago. Uh, yeah, almost. Yeah. Uh, so he, no, it he is, it was last Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So he is now, uh, halfway through his two week sort of ramp up period to becoming immune. Well, not immune, as we discussed, but, you know, yeah. fully vaccinated. As, yeah. Fully vaccinated. As uh, immune as possible. Yeah. M- immune ish. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And Actually, that so, is kind of a problem, right? Because because like immune means literally impervious, but yep. your immune system doesn't make you literally impervious. Right? You still get the stuff you in still there. Get the stuff in. You might there. you might get a cough. You might get a little fever. Or yeah. Something. So we should call it your uh, immunish system. Immunish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's your disease slappers. You know, it's still in there, but you got to slap it around more than you used to. Uh, so it's been kind of interesting as as we talked about a couple episodes ago. Um, Sam was traveling for the first time and, mm. you know, a year and a half, uh, hopped on a plane. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So well, I think it's, it's interesting coming out of this year of, well, not, not really going anywhere. Um, just sort of like being on a plane again, you, it's sort of, it's a reminder of just one, it is a magical thing being able to just, you know, fly as a human being. Pretty fucking wild. And it's one of those things that you're reminded of it when the sort of in the, you know, the constancy of like every couple of months taking a, a trip somewhere for business or, or whatever else kind of goes away. And so there's definitely that angle. There's definitely a big feeling. It is funny like, how they, though they, they took what is a magical experience and then have just slowly over the decades drained every ounce of magic oh, yeah. out of the actual experience. Oh, yeah. It's a barely tolerable magic experience. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like when, when Harry Potter uses flu powder or whatever, and everyone, like, when you come out of the other side, people are just kind of, like, fuck, like disoriented. They're like, what? You know? Yeah, it's the like, fact that you are, the fact that you are rocketing through the air at 500 fucking miles per hour, but it feels like you're just in sort of, like, a dank bus. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, a little more, a little more pomp and circumstance w- would go a long way yeah, here. I think it'd be appropriate. Um, yeah, it's kind of the same way I felt about getting the vaccine in the first place. As we talked about, like no pomp and circumstance when you get your shot. They're just like sit over there, whatever. Sit over there, wait. I right, get out of here. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, but there's there's definitely a feeling of just like too many fucking people, right? Um, just e- just everywhere because like as soon as you're in public spaces, and now now that people are starting to emerge because you know people are. A lot of people are getting vaccinated. I think the country's at like over 40% now or over 50%. I think, actually, I think we've hit 50% who've had, had at least the first shot. Yeah, uh, which is awesome, right? Um, but that means there's like just a lot of people out and about. And so there's definitely that feeling of like just walking. It's just – it has been a while since there's been crowds uh, that have been in, let alone like sitting next to people on an airplane. Um, what I found interesting about it though is actually the mask, like sort of mask on and off stuff, which, you know, there's – we didn't really go outside during the whole pandemic. So there's that whole group of people who are complaining about masks, right? Like, oh, it's, it's so much. Oh, so annoying. Uh, get it off my face, whatever. Uh, and I know it's a whole other related thing. But as far as like just just being able to like flip a mask on your face and off, you get used to it like really fast where mm-hmm. I just had one in my back pocket. We'd be walking in the street. If we saw someone coming up or like group of people, just, yeah, just slap it on. Just slap it on. Help. Walk on by. It was like no big deal to the point where I like, – I would just sometimes be wearing a mask and I didn't even know that it got on there. It's sort of like a, you know, it's just still on there. Like you put it on a while ago. Sort of it's like thing. a hat. You know, you yeah. just put it on. Yeah, put it on when saying. you need to get the sun and out the, of your eyes. Or the key is to have a comfortable one, you know, and all that. Because, of course, yeah. if you have like an uncomfortable thing that's – and also you have to have a way to store it easily, right? Because a, a, a good mask will have a, you know, metal piece for your nose so you can conform mm-hmm. it to make it more airtight. Um, and that means they're hard to fold up. You know, I actually just got a carabiner or whatever you call those little things, you know, and to mm-hmm. uh, put on my belt loop that I can oh. loop my just loop mask, strap on. So they're just there and I can just be like, put it on, take it off, whatever. Yeah, we carry ours the around. Modern, the modern like pandemic man with yeah, his exactly. carabiner mask <laughs> loop. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I found it um, actually actually very, very easy, to be honest. Uh, to try. Like once you get over the initial, that sort of initial couple, honestly, the first couple of minutes is just weird. Like being in the airport, being on a plane. 
but then it's just the same shit. And then you're wearing a mask, which weirdly enough is kind of nice because it's like you don't have to worry about the bottom half of your face in public. Would you, you know, well, not only that, but like, remember, okay, just think about this. Whenever we talked about going to GDC or conventions in the past, we're always like, somebody's getting sick. Yeah. Somebody's getting sick, well, right? I, somebody of us, but we also meant literally like 50% of all people. Yeah, I mean, every convention. fucking GDC, there's a flu that just rips through the entire convention. <laughs> industry's halted like, for a week. Yeah, and like half of the game developers in the world are just shitting for Which is actually the week, know? yeah, because we, we talked a lot about the impact on our studio, right? Where we're like, oh, yeah, we're gone for a week. We spent all this money, right? Uh, and then we come back and we're just exhausted and at least one of us is sick. But now you multiply that, that out across – the whole fucking games industry, right? Yeah, this one convention is like knocking a billion dollars of productivity out of the games <laughs> yeah, industry at least. Easily. But is like, it, and does it make it up for it? You know, it's hard yeah. to be honest. In fact, it's like, I'm just, I'm going to wear a mask when I'm flying now. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Definitely. No matter what, you know, and I might even wear one at, at conventions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I will. You know, yeah. I think we need to get, some, get some rad, like, B Scotch branded masks for going to conventions, you know? Yeah, and like I love this. I love this because you know what I hate being sick. Yep. You know, and and if uh, if it comes from just like people breathing their weird stuff into my mouth, which I'm also not a fan of, just conceptually. um, But what I think is kind of weird about this is is where people have decided to draw the line about what counts as an infringement on their freedom. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm Because like if you walk up to a, a convenience store and they're like, hey, you got to wear shoes. And you're like, yeah, well, yeah, of course. That tracks. Of course I will do that. Um, even though they have freshly mopped floors, maybe. Yeah, because um, why would you, you have know? to actually? Like, what- why would you have to? Mm-hmm. Right? And like you got to wear a shirt. It's probably a liability issue because, of course, there's like broken glass and you step on it and then you see the store yeah, and all that sure. kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, or like you got to wear a shirt and you see that sign and you're like, yep, I will – you know, mm-hmm. or maybe you were at the beach and you see that sign. And you're like, "Oh crap!" And then you run out to your, you know, run back to your car and throw your shirt on or something. And you walk in there, and it's no problem. Or you go to a really don't. weird beach. The beach is like you have to wear shoes here. And you're yeah. like, "Oh no, this is the worst." That's actually the worst at that point. Like I yeah. would, I would. That's yeah. Getting that, sand. Now my freedoms are definitely being a bitch. A hundred percent. You couldn't get yeah, to and put sand somehow, in yeah, and some somehow, you know, we've all agreed to wear pants in public. We've all agreed well, <laughs> to wear shoes. We've all agreed to wear shoes and shirts in in establishments. And if you uh, haven't, there's a place we can go. It's called a nudist colony. You know, you just, mm-hmm. yeah, bunch of like-minded people get just get naked, and mm-hmm. it's yeah, and it's fine because you just do it with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and interestingly, you know, we accepted all of those mostly because we're just not super interested in you know seeing other people <laughs> in that state <laughs> while we're getting while we're getting our gas filled up or whatever, right? Yep. Um, but it's not a health crisis if somebody walks into a gas station with no shirt on. Right. Right. Like people probably won't die from that. Probably. Probably. Uh, but so, somehow. But people might, so, you know, lose their eternal soul. Yeah. They might have their like, soul sucked out of their yeah, body. Probably, it's, it's likely because like, you know, the United States is a really puritanical rooted like culture with all of its mm-hmm. weird ass views of sex and all this kind of stuff, you know. So probably this all is like the difference between covering your body, which is an evil vessel, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's literally evil. You got to cover it up as much as you can. So we've all accepted yeah. this because it's been true for hundreds yeah, of years. Keep those nipples on lockdown, okay? Yeah. But your, you put but your, face, <laughs> your face is what you use to adore Jesus. Or, or sorry, right, I, maybe. I don't know. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Is that true? I don't know how it works. But the f- the fact is, like, it's so easy to just slap a mask on. And 
compared to many of the other rules that we've all just happily agreed to follow, this one actually does something pretty important. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to be doing it. Well, I will say, actually, it's one of the few things that does something very important for, for you personally, especially in airline flight travel. Because I, it's also the case, like, usually when I travel, usually I'll, I'll have, like, a little cold or something when I get back. Didn't it yep. all this time, you know, because I was wearing a mask the whole fucking time. And I was like, yeah. actually, this is great. It's, well, it's, I think in the same way, like, I haven't had the flu in – because I've, I've gotten a flu shot every year. Well, every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, yeah, when, when did flu shots even start to exist? Like, I, I don't remember there being a time when I wasn't getting a flu shot. But uh, anyway, I was getting them. I've gotten mm-hmm. it every year. And the last time I got, like, the actual flu, like, must have been more than a decade ago. You know? It's like, I don't, I don't worry about the flu now. But if somebody has it, I stay the fuck away from them, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't trust – the vaccine that much. And, and you shouldn't because the flu changes so fast that every year it just has random efficacy. Again, right? it still has to get in you it's before still you get in take yet. care of it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, so you still don't want to fuck with it on purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, I haven't had that but versus colds, which yeah. I, there was a period of time where I was getting like during the winter in particular, I would get, I would get a new cold every fucking like six weeks, you know? And, uh, unfortunately it's not been that bad now for some time. Um, but it still is the case that basically every, every winter, at least once, once or twice a year. You're getting a cold. I'm getting an aggressive cold. Mm-hmm. And, but somebody uh, gave it to you. you like yeah. you didn't get a, you didn't just get a cold for just because it's winter, right? Like yeah. somebody, somebody put their mouth droplets into one. your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody sneezed into your nose holes uh, yeah. from a distance, of course, but still. Yeah. So, so yeah, that. I mean, uh, so that's been kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the general about. effect there of like of traveling again was one of those like, oh, okay, it, it definitely makes you feel honestly. It does go a long way and make you feel back to like that state of what you call quote unquote normalcy, right? Um, because it's just one of those things you couldn't even think about for so long. So that was really nice. Uh, it's got that feeling of like, oh, if, like if it, if I really needed to, I could go do stuff. But I'm still very much on the on the the page of like, I don't really want to go do most things. You know what I mean? Like yep. it was, the lockdown was nice. Uh, I think for, for a number of us in a, in a number of ways where depending on, on mentally kind of what you're up to, like just sort of the stripping away of a lot of the social obligations uh, is kind of like, it can be kind of nice, can be clarifying and uh, give you some space to breathe, you know? Um, and so I think depending on, on who you are and kind of what, how you felt from what would either be the isolation or solitude that something like quarantine gives you, uh, kind of determines how you're going to feel about coming out of the the quarantine haze. You know, it's going to be a little weird. It's going to be weird. We got some yeah. new waters to navigate. And I can also say, because my, my wife's getting her first haircut in, uh, you know, since last mm-hmm. February or something. Um, and she was like, yeah, my hairdresser's just booked. But I was like, this is like the great shaving of 2021. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's going to be so much hair on the floor of these salons. They're going to be sweeping it up. They're going to have like an <laughs> industrial vac trying to get it all collected. Like, my God. Yeah, Everybody is so hairy. Because yeah. yep. I, I, I need to go to the dentist now, you know, and then and pretty quick I'm going to go make that appointment finally. Same. Um but yeah, but most people like haven't those yeah. those those few of us who like do the whole like you're supposed to go every year and so we do because we want to make sure our teeth don't fall out of our heads, you know. I'm not sure how common that actually is as a as a behavior, but that was that was drilled into us literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> uh, since we were since we grew up, you know. Um but yeah, but I haven't been now for a year and a half or whatever it's been cuz I I hadn't been Right before the pandemic started, because I didn't know when was going to start, you know, and so so just mm-hmm. like so 
late, but yeah. everybody else is too. So is there going to be like a big backlog where just all of a sudden like everyone's getting their teeth all scraped up? You know, I was just yep. there on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. when got my, my teeth all cleaned up and they were like, well, your teeth are in pretty good shape for having not been to the dentist for basically a year and a half, right? Because like Adam was saying, the timing was such, right? Uh, but two, did you ask them, then what are you even for? I did. I was like, I mean, I'm going to be honest, you're not selling your services very well right now. Yeah. Every time you look into someone's mouth, you'd be like, oh, thank God you're here. This was, this is you were a headed, cesspit. You were headed. Well, you got here just in time. Two or three more days of this, and you'd probably have no teeth you're left. Disgusting. Yeah. They weren't really selling their services very well. But I did no. ask him, I was like, is, the, is it the case that everyone is emerging, you know, and you guys are getting booked up? And, and she said, yes. It's start like it's, she said, it's starting to like it's almost like the tap is being turned back on, sort of a thing, right? Where it's like people are start, suddenly starting to come back, and there's going to be a backlog for all of that. Yeah, like, and actually, this is one of those things that if you if you were able to to manage your processes really really well uh, and and adapt, because we've seen I, I, one of the interesting things about the pandemic is watching various businesses and industries adapt or not adapt, right? Mm-hmm. And and then plan or not plan for what's going to happen once things start to open back up. Because imagine if you were like a dentist where, you know, most people just need their teeth cleaned. That's like the main thing. And then, and then a quick check as I'm sure we've all experienced when we go to the dentist, it's like some, some, uh, some person goes there and just like scrubs your teeth a fuckload, Right. And then the dentist comes in, like looks they in your look mouth at it. and then they walk out the door and that's the <laughs> whole like, thing. That's a good, that's a good mouth. Mm-hmm. That's a good, See yeah, in six that's months. It, right? and, and there's a bunch of just kind of like sitting, like sit, like waiting around in between all these things. Right. Like if they streamline the shit out of that process and we're just like, okay, Mondays through Thursday or Mondays through Wednesdays or whatever are just rapid teeth cleaning and that's it. And they're trying to like just pump people through the system, right? Then they could probably actually catch back up with all the pent up mm-hmm. demand, you know, and like actually get people through the door uh, and then actually have it so that the overall impact of having gone through the COVID quarantine might not actually be that bad, right? Mm-hmm. But it requires being able to adapt and like and plan around the realities of that. And I think it's been fun to see that restaurants uh, have actually sort of handled this the best out of any businesses. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Well, I think right, I think they also sure. they had to right because did, like yeah. because people don't have to go to restaurants. Yeah. yeah. So restaurant a restaurant they really had to, want to though. Yeah, a restaurant had to make you want to go in spite of the fact that you know you might die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so you got to be like all, all I mean, sort of doing online stuff. You know, like all of them that that previously. Yep. Did and I actually when I was I was out for a walk yesterday and went by there's a little pub kind of a few blocks away and they just have a they have an awning with a door that's like they've converted it just used to be a door they converted it to one of those like top top half bottom half doors that both open separately you know and so the top half is just open and it's just their like online pickup window you know with like a, mm-hmm. they, they put an awning out on the street so that people don't have to come in at all you know like but this is all stuff that they actually like thought through and did yep uh, and it's yeah it's. Now I do have to give a shout out to Kate Zone here in St. Louis because it's the because, best restaurant, or for because her. they did not adapt. No, they did because, not because they don't give a fuck, and they did because they to. know they're like they're like no more in no more in restaurant dining. But we're not hooking up to Grubhub. We're not like if yeah. you want our food, you come and get it, right? <laughs> and it was like people did, yeah, everybody still did. So good. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever so like you that's say, another yeah, I'll that's another it. strategy, right? Just like make food so fucking good. Mm-hmm. That people just will come. People and will get go it. through the hoops. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Bold move, Kate. Hey, they. That's a wild bunch. But well, you, know, so you they, uh, they know what they're doing. You hopped in the car and drove up to Iowa this past week. And so, like, how was that experience being a traveling person again? It was great. Um, I thought that I might get a little bit weirded out because, like, you know, you got to make maybe like a pit stop, go to the bathroom, and you know, go to a gas mm-hmm. station, fill up. 
Um, and I felt fine. I mean, yeah. I think around the time I first got the vaccine and started really thinking about like, okay, I'm going to be just like going out in the world. I'll be wearing a mask and stuff, but, but especially, you know, driving through rural Missouri, rural Iowa, people just aren't wearing masks. Great. And I'm pretty confident that a lot of them are not vaccinated, right? Cause yeah. at least you know, like half of people aren't anyways. Um, and so, but it just didn't bother me at all, you know, cause I'm like, I mean, I'm wearing one, I'm wearing a mask, uh, and I'm just like passing through, I'm vaccinated. Like it's fine. But once I kind of got it in my head that, you know, I'm going to get COVID mm-hmm. like it's going to get into my body, mm-hmm. just like a flu would, just like a cold would. Um, and that's the point of the vaccine, right? It's like, I, at some point need to resume day to day life. And there's a, there's a really good chance that like this thing's going to get in me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, but that's okay now because it, not a lot of it is going to get in there because I'm wearing a mask and yeah. I got the vaccine and well, I'm not, I'm not going to as, concerts. I'm not going to movie theaters, you know? Um, yeah, it's the same as the so flu, it's fine. right? It's like, it's not same as the flu. Yeah. It's not really okay. Cause it's still a disease and it can still do a lot of damage. Right. Yeah. But, but also, you've taken the precautions. Yeah. You've taken now the you, precautions you can. Now you, now you go live your life like a normal person and don't let it, you know, uh, destroy. But you still take precautions, right? You don't, you don't do it like a normal person in the sense of like, uh, you know, licking everyone's face you see or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what normal people do, right? Yeah. But it's well, more it, depends, a, it depends where you are, where you live, but yeah. 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 Depending on, on, on uh, your customs. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are. The, the, old, like, licking, the old face licking meet and greet. Uh, yeah. Tradition. So as long as yeah. you're, you know, still <laughs> avoiding those kinds of things and like stuff. Yeah, I'm not shaking hands uh, with with randos, you know, and stuff like that. But um, and, and also like if I if I have the option to do uh, like video calls or um, phone calls to like have an appointment because like there's a lot of like telemedicine and stuff like that. That's, that's, that's also now, been one right? of the boons from this thing. Yeah. Yeah. How much? It, yeah. Yeah, and especially you know like I've been uh, like I mentioned a while back in the podcast. You know, I I got a. Uh, psychiatrist point uh, set up and I got a prescription for Ritalin for my ADHD and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, what, what is, what is the psych evaluation? Like they just ask you stuff, yeah, right. There's no physical, like there's no palpating of your torso or anything like that. Right. Like it's all, it's all just talking about talking through stuff so they can figure things out. And like, I mean, that even a lot of primary care is the same deal, you know, where they just ask you like, Oh, why are you, why are you here? What's going on? And then if you tell mm-hmm. them some things, you're like, Oh, okay, let's get you sent off to these specialists to get checked out more. If we, yeah. Yeah. You know. So often, yeah, you go to the doctor and the only thing they do is, is send you somewhere else after asking yeah, you three yeah, questions. Right? Like that could, that could have happened over the phone, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that is, that has been a nice, a nice um, benefit of all that. And, and you know, I will keep doing that because also like I don't want to drive somewhere 20 minutes away, wait for an hour for somebody, for a doctor to be late, have them ask me a question. And then I drive back home. Right. Like I could have just chilled. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, it's been, it's been an interesting shift. And I think, cause we were kind of chatting about this before the episode where I think what's, I wanted to make sure we talked about this just as like to put a pin in it for posterity, just to like capture what this is like. So that when we look back on like, hey, you guys, remember that pandemic? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was that like? You know, because um, it I, I don't know, maybe it's not interesting to just be like, hey, we traveled and it was kind of normal. Right. But like, that's kind of a big deal, actually. I think right it's, now. It's, it's nice. You know what I mean? That's nice to know. It's yeah. It's nice um, to know. So, yeah, that's that's happening. Uh, you guys will talk about studio stuff. Yeah. One, one kind of interesting thing. Um so Sam, 
Sam was gone for a couple weeks, uh, or a week and a half, which meant that I could go into some programming problems for Crashlands 2. And one of the things we want to work on for Crashlands 2 is we want build mode to be just, I think the industry term is dope as fuck. Okay. Yep. Um, so back in original Crashlands, build mode was throw some floors down and then pretty much do whatever you want. And the walls kind of look like they're circles. Like knee high, <laughs> yeah, they're like knee-high circle tables. More yeah, so and one, yeah, and one of the, the like, it, it was a comment that we got from time to time where somebody would leave a review and they'd be like, I mean, it's kind of cool that I can build a, quote, base, but like, It doesn't quite look like a base <laughs> and it doesn't do yeah. anything. You know what I mean? Like, these walls don't look a whole heck of a lot like walls. And also my base is just like a, has no, it's like you just see right into it. Um, so one of the things that we really wanted to try to figure out for Crashlands 2 is like, how do we actually have a build mode that feels like you're making a building, like you're building a house? in the wilderness or a cabin or whatever. Um, and the thing that we kind of kept coming back to is this idea of roofs. Yep. Right. Like if you have a roof, so think about like, you know, when you're playing the Sims, you know, the Sims is all about building a house, right. And you can go outside of the house and you can actually see like, there's a roof on the house. And if you zoom out in the neighborhood, like you see, you don't just always see just like into mm-hmm. the house. Right. So the fact that sometimes there's a visible roof really cements the idea that this is a, an indoor space. Um, and so we, so Sam and I talked about that. We were like, yeah, roofs, we're going to do roofs. And, uh, I was like, okay, I'll work on that while you're gone. And it sounds simple to just say, we just need to get roofs on these buildings. But then you have to answer the question, what's a building? Mm -hmm. And I, it took me two or three days of just iterating on that question. Is a building a collection of interconnected walls? It, or if you have a porch that, out front that's got like it, one of those, you know, fancy walls that sticks out. Yeah. And how do you know that you're in the building? Mm-hmm. Right. Because like a building could like, what if there's three walls and they're not joined together? Uh, is that, is that a bit, do you put a roof on that? Um, mm-hmm. And so what's hard about it is, is also that players will be building these buildings um, in completely arbitrary sizes and shapes and configurations. And the game needs to recognize what's a building and what's not a building in a way that the player gets right. And it also has to happen instantly. So it yeah. can't be the case. It can't be the case that like every time you put a wall down, we do like a big old recalculation of all thousand pieces of, of construction that you've put down to figure out what parts are count as a building and what parts aren't right. Um, so it has to be optimized. It has to be simple. Um, and I just wrapped up, wrapped it up yesterday. So it's just two two weeks mm-hmm. of of answering these questions, and where we kind of landed was uh, was actually it's not about buildings; it's about rooms. Yeah, and a building is a collection of rooms that share structural supports of some kind, and a room is just a fully enclosed space. Okay, so so you could actually have like two buildings that are connected by a wall, and the wall is not part of either building; it's just a freestanding wall, right? Um, because it's not part of a room, so. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was, I think what was wild about it is how this is one of those, one of those problems that really highlights how different the human brain is from a computer. Yeah. Because I think pathfinding is the same way, right? Where if you ask, if you show a person a, like a simple image of like a map with some obstacles in it, right? And then you'd be like, draw, like draw the path that you would take to like get from point A to B. A person's like, yeah, just go like this. And they, they can instantly do it and they don't think about it at all. Mm-hmm. And they find a really, really good path, right? 
um, doing pathfinding for computers fucking hard. Yeah, and it and it takes a lot of computation. And the same thing with this building thing, which is if you if you show a person like a picture of like a like a map of a of a bunch of like structures put together, you'd be like, point out the rooms. Mm-hmm. Or like circle the part of this that you think like would count as like the main building or something. And they just do it. And then they can't explain necessarily why those things are true. <laughs> but while that <laughs> but is they're true, just obviously true to them. I mean, yeah, you know? while that's true, that it's obviously true, that person, they can do it instantly. If you take any two people and you, you start like putting them into yeah. some gray areas, then you actually give me different. It's like, it's like the, the captures I mean, yeah. Google where it's like, which one of these things are cars? And then. What fraction of people when they see like the the wheel spilling over into the other frame, you know, like some fraction of people are like, yes, that's that's a car then, and another fraction don't, right? Yep. It's yeah, I always, I always, I always, I always waffle on those because I'm like, I don't know what they want me to think yeah, here. Exactly. Right? Yep. Like, yep. <laughs> is a wheel a car, right? And then again, like, is a porch a room, mm-hmm. or is it is it is it indoors or outdoors, right? Um, but you know, that's all. That's all done now. So now we, we, we don't have the roofs yet, but we have the prerequisite for the roofs, which is now we know what a building is. Yeah. Um, but the, it, the thing that's exciting about that is actually that the having the concept of indoors is really yeah. the big win for something like this because that allows you to do a lot of cool stuff where it's like, say the say there's there's a thunderstorm and it's like, it's going really hard. You come inside and we can, we can sort of like pull that sound down. So it feels like you're inside. Well, we can actually make it, we can muffle it so it sounds like it's mm-hmm. – yeah. And you can even do stuff like if we have rain, you can have like the particles of like raindrops hitting on the, the terrain and stuff, right? Um, and then, of course, when you walk inside, there there won't be – like it, it'll feel like you are not being rained on, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or you could even do uh, interesting things like as a player, maybe like if you go indoors, then you like build up some kind of – like well-rested benefit, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. So like checking back in at your base or going into an NPC's house or something uh, gives you something, right? But yeah, again, if the game doesn't know what is indoors, then you don't have any of those. But it does It does also create a ratcheting fidelity problem, right? Because as soon as you know you're indoors and you can do these things, then you do. And then you, you have to ask questions like, if someone goes inside but it's raining, right? And because it's a top-down view, not a first-person view, Right. Then they can, they still are seeing actually the same scene they saw just a second ago when they were on the other side of the door, right? Where we had covered the screen with rain, right? And, but now if we go in, if we do, we just not cover the part of the screen that the house is in mm-hmm. with rain? Like what, what happens so that it still seems like it's raining outside, but not inside, right? And so now all of a sudden, the thing that was already complex in its own way, which was, what does it mean to be raining? Like, what does that look like, right? Uh, now the question is, what does it mean when you can see the outside and the inside at the same time? It's raining on one part and then not the other. Yep. Well, I already have answers to all those. That's beautiful. Good. Because of the magic of shaders. And yeah. I'm not saying that. you don't already have the answers. I'm just we saying can do, it creates new problems. Now, each of those answers is two more weeks of work apiece. But still, <laughs> yep. but still it's really these about, are things we can do. Yeah, it's really about saying, like, what what does this uh, feature actually unlock from a system, so like from a general gameplay and system standpoint? And I think this is one of those weird ones that, like, once you can tell what a, what the fuck a building is and when you're inside or not, there's a lot of really cool stuff that opens up. Um, and of course, it's more work, but it's also just like it's exactly the work that, that I think would yeah. be awesome. And to it do. is it is a lot cooler if you can answer all these problems without instancing it, right? Because a lot of in a lot of games, you'll yep. walk into a building and then basically you know screen wipe. Now you're in a new space, right? It's like and, a whole, and, and the space is always way bigger than the building was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you get in, it's a TARDIS, right? It's like you get in there and it's and it's huge on the inside, and even though it's not, the 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 point is that 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 space inside of that 
house is actually not inside the house at all, right? It's just a different space that we pretended like you went into, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and in doing that, all of a sudden we have a, a huge amount of flexibility of how we do things because we don't have to follow the rules of outside when we're mm-hmm. inside, right? Um, but in having the outside and the inside coexist, have the same having systemic computational space in the same mm-hmm. state space where like all the variables are still there and all this kind of stuff, and now they can interact with each other, then it's way more complicated, but also provides way more room for interactions. Like anybody who's played like you know a Valheim or something, where where you can you could look out the window, you know, and it's and it's raining and things are happening outside, uh, and you can see a creature off in the distance, you know, um, like you know, there's a huge, huge, huge difference and and the depth of the simulation, right? If you, yep. uh, or, or even like fallout and stuff, right? Cause like in fallout and similar games, most buildings you go into, it's like a, it's a totally new space. There's a loading screen. There's a loading screen. Yeah. Uh, and things that are outside mostly can't come inside and, and all of that. Uh, it's just very, very different experience. Yeah. We don't want, we want, we want a, a continuous world wherever we can have one. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's been pretty fun, but yeah, it's just one of those weird, weird game dev challenges where, you know, if you're like, romanticizing about what it would like to make games. And then you think, what if I had to spend two weeks just answering the question of what's a building, right? Like <laughs> that's one of those things that you'd have to do. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about industry news real quick. I think the one thing to talk about is this Epic versus Apple lawsuit going on. Epic is suing Apple for, I believe what they're calling anti-competitive practices because of the 30% uh, cut. It's actually for a bunch um, of things, but yeah, well, a, bu- a, a bunch of stuff. It's a thirty percent cut plus the the uh, their absolute uh, you know iron grip on what you're allowed to do within the ecosystem, right? Because so they you force can't... you to use a payment processor, they force you to use uh, to go through their app. You have to adhere to all of their guidelines to get on there in the first place, and they're also saying that many of those guidelines themselves are anti-competitive. Um, you can't do things like in your app tell people like send people to your website. Like to mm-hmm. buy things, right? Uh, you just, so there's all this stuff that, that they just don't let you do, and and Epic is making the the general argument with all these specific cases that this is anti-competitive because uh, they in effect have a monopoly over this particular market, right? Epic Which honestly, the, I buy their argument 100. Yeah. <laughs> percent It all feels correct, and of course, Epic being the company that uh, takes a percentage of your revenue if you use their game engine and make past a certain amount of yep. money. Mm-hmm. That 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 same company, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but but that's a that's a that's a falsy comparison though because um, because if you think about the way they do that versus the way the App Store does it, right? Because the App Store takes thirty percent of your money, no matter how much or little you make. It's just that's just yeah. how it works. Epics right? Epics scales up. So if you if you don't make much, then you just don't. pay I think them you have anything. to make it's either a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand dollars before they take anything from you, and then they yeah. take five percent, right? Yeah. Uh, which so they're bas- they're basically saying like once you get to past a point where like you're okay, yeah. Right. Then we'll, we'll start to, which is, which, you know, that's true. That's fair. Um, so some interesting stuff has come out that we wanted to just hit on real quick, which is kind of, we don't want to talk about necessarily the, the merits of the case or anything like that. It's really just that in the discovery phase of this thing, there's just been a lot of interesting tidbits of information that have spilled out into the public Mm -hmm. eye. Many of them, uh, I think, which we're not supposed to, is my understanding. But but yeah, but they're out there now. It did happen. And so we're going to talk about them. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so first off, we found out that um, Epic was paying Sony to allow Fortnite to have cross-play with other platforms um, on PlayStation. So by definition, Sony um, 
or by default, Sony says like we do not allow crossplay with with other platforms. Their stance is kind of to act as though PlayStation is the only game in town, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't want you talking about or referencing or pointing at other platforms in any way. And I think I think the business intent of that is to say like let's say you wanted to buy Rocket League or something, um, and Rocket League. Let's say I think Rocket League does have have crossplay. It does. Over it does, yeah. So, but just you know, hypothetically, multiplayer game, uh, and a friend of yours buys it on PlayStation, and you have maybe like you have a PlayStation and you have a PC, right? You're deciding not whether to buy this game, but where to buy this game, mm-hmm. and you and it turns out that your friend wouldn't be able to play with you if you bought the PC version, mm-hmm. right? So you'll just buy the PlayStation version, right? So it's kind of their way of of pushing people into their ecosystem instead of instead of elsewhere. Um, but as with all things, there's a price on that principle, and Epic paid it, and that's what allowed them to have crossplay for Fortnite. Uh, pretty interesting, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, I think. Uh, wait, but the way that they the way that they did it uh, was that the or how they because they had to negotiate what that actually would mean, you know. And I think what it came down to was that Epic had to separately track like purchases made in PlayStation and like had to track for all their users that made a, that made Epic accounts, which ones made those through PlayStation and like and all this kind of stuff, so that they could basically attribute how many players were coming from PlayStation, where they were buying things. Uh, it was still the case though that, as I understood it, that you couldn't buy stuff on another store, even though they had crossplay and all of that. And you had the same account. If you bought stuff in another store, you couldn't would use those V bucks, is what they're called, uh, like in PlayStation, and vice versa, right? So mm-hmm. it has like a closed, like a weirdly closed market where there's some. So like, so they had to like kind of carefully dissect what actually was and was not allowed yeah. to to spill over, and then they had to pay basically a licensing fee. So it was like, so it was like per player. And what they're actually doing is they were charging Epic for players that came from PlayStation and played on other platforms. That was actually what was happening. Mm-hmm. So the the idea, I guess, being that that in effect, PlayStation was the thing that caused them those players to exist for Fortnite, and, and therefore they, any money left. generated by them, Sony was supposed to take a piece, right? Which yeah. is which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but also think about how much fucking infrastructure, like web infrastructure, you need yeah. to track. No, I mean, crazy that. on every level, like from a it's from a, a huge waste amount of, of time. Yeah, it's standpoint. a huge amount of work for both Sony and Epic to track this, and it's honestly hard to say whether anybody benefited. Players, well, I think Sony they do. Well, yeah, players yeah. definitely don't. But Sony, I think Sony and Epic did because if you look at if you because if you saw the because re- they also had their revenue numbers come out per platform and by a wide margin. PlayStation is making the most money. Well, I, I, w- I wouldn't say Epic did though, right? Because Epic had to do a ton of yeah. work to to set this whole thing up, right? And like, if if crossplay was just allowed, yeah, yeah, right? no, yeah, no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying relative to being allowed to do it in the first place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. I, I'm yeah. saying relative to not being allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then on Sony's and like Sony mostly actually just is allowed to audit. They didn't have to build any of the tech. They just they just got to say, here's what you don't get to do, right? So they didn't have to do fucking jack shit. They just got to say, <laughs> here are the rules. And then Epic had to go spend probably five million dollars on infrastructure, right? To yeah. build out the mechanisms to be able to do that. And then they just have to audit and then, and then basically Sony presumably has auditing rights where they can basically say at any moment we need to see your books to make sure that you're paying us as much money as you're supposed to. Yeah. Um, so this I think is we probably so- can't talk about it, but the, we we uh we were looking at, at a long time ago at a relationship with, with Sony. Four years ago, probably five years Four, ago. Yeah, maybe more than that even. 
Yeah, this this kind of thing, sort of. Yeah, this kind of thing was in there. So I'm not sure if we're allowed to get into it, so I won't get into any details. But but there was a there was a line in the contract that made us really nervous, and it was along these kinds of lines. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and the long story short, that is the reason that we that we didn't end up on PlayStation then, and why we've been nervous ever since. And now seeing this, that because nobody knew this, this, right? This is this came out in the discovery that. That this because because there was this period of time when Sony started being suddenly started being like oh yeah we're gonna start allowing crossplay right what we didn't know was that behind the scenes and it was only certain games that had only certain games that was because they were negotiating the terms of that and basically how much money you would have to pay Sony as the as the developer or publisher to be able to do it by basically generating players for your game on PlayStation and then and then allowing those players to spend money elsewhere right for this on the same account Um, so that's yeah it's it's That's pretty wild, like and I, th- I think what's kind of platform well, overreach. It is, but but the funny thing about this is, like, it turns out that mobile makes up seven percent of Fortnite's revenue, and like this Sony thing is so much more egregiously anti-competitive than anything yeah. Apple is yeah. doing. Uh, but but Epic is not going to sue Sony because so much of their money comes from PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, because right? yeah, they, they, they can't so, afford to sue Sony, right? But so but I think part of this is that by by trying to shift the whole winds of the industry, right? It yeah. becomes as they knock down each piece of the puzzle, right? Mm-hmm. Then it becomes harder and harder and harder right. for Sony to sit in its corner and be like, "Yeah, everything we're doing is is fine. Everything we're doing is here. totally fine and not anti-consumer at all, yep. or anti-developer." Uh, yeah, so that's that's been a kind of interesting thing. We'll kind of see what shakes out with that. Um, uh, the second thing, which is kind of an interesting note, is there was a period where the you know when Epic, when Fortnite got pulled from uh, the mobile stores was when Epic patched in secretly and flipped the switch to turn on their own payment processing, which was they would, you could, you would buy V bucks directly from Epic um, instead of through the, you know, through the, the app store or, or Google play or whatever. Um, and to encourage that, they, they basically framed it to players as, Hey, since we're just charging you directly, uh, there's no 30% cut for us, which means we, we can, we can charge you less. Mm-hmm. Right, like we can, we can charge you just the difference. So you'll save money, and we'll save money, and we're just cutting out the middleman, right? Yeah, and um, and this is this was happening in app, but there were many examples before this for other apps and games of trying to do the same thing where they would lead you outside the app, and they would basically tell you in the app, yeah. hey, if you if you buy these same things outside of of here, like on our website or whatever. Um, then it's cheaper. Yeah. It was kind of interesting about it was then the, the follow-up report, which was that uh, the number of purchases went up, but not enough to offset the reduction in price. And they lost money, mm-hmm. which actually, so we saw this when we reduced the price of Crashlands on steam from 1499 to 999. Mm-hmm. And actually in our case, purchase numbers didn't really move at all. Like the same number of people were buying the game as before, so we just suddenly were making two thirds as much money, which it is actually weird, looked like it was less. It actually looks like we had fewer. I think we did buying. a few purchases. Yeah. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, our number of, of sales. Yeah, went it's down. hard to tell because it wasn't a direct A/B test, so it's fuzzy, right? But yeah, if it, at best, it was the same, but it looked like it might have been worse than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what's kind of weird about this is that the especially nowadays because games are digital goods that don't have inventory, right? So every additional copy of a game sold does not carry a variable cost with it. Right, so the price of a game is totally arbitrary. The mm-hmm. price of a an in app purchase item is totally arbitrary. Um, it doesn't need to be sixty dollars for a AAA game. It could be six dollars. It could be three hundred dollars. We've all just kind of 
stuck to 60 because that's kind of what it was back when they were shipped in boxes, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what's weird about it is that the is that it's an inelastic demand curve because as that price moves up and down, the demand doesn't change in a proportional way. Once people want the thing, then they're going to buy it kind of whether it's $10 or $7, whether it's mm-hmm. 50 or 60, right? Like, there's, there's definitely going to be a curve there, right? Like if something is $10 instead of 60, that's a big enough difference that maybe you'll see a different behavior. I don't know. But if you're wiggling things around by you know 20% up or down, it doesn't seem like yeah, you, have, you have to basically hit different sort of like conceptual tiers, but it all those exist in context though, right? Because the reason that $60 for so long, you know, was the AAA price point was as Seth noted, because that's what it was on a shelf roughly. But that wasn't even true. Like when we were growing up, you know, back in the, back in the nineties when we were buying games, they were probably 40 bucks or something like that or 30, I can't remember what they were, but they weren't 60 bucks at the time. Right. Uh, so the, the, but the price on that shelf has been going up kind of slowly. Right. Uh, and then once they went digital, when they priced the thing, they couldn't have a different price digitally because it would make it hard to sell the physical ones, mm-hmm. right? Because then, yeah, because they would disincentivize buying the physical goods. And of course, so, their retail partners would not be pleased. Yeah, exactly. So the reason that digital that digital versions of games cost what they do is because the physical ones did, right? And the yeah. physical ones, of course, include all the costs that go into physical of distribution and all the other stuff too. Uh, so, and now as they've been raising prices, because of course they have to over time, because it gets more and more expensive to do things because inflation, other things, uh, the games themselves are getting more complicated. Um, so, so they do get more expensive over time, but they have to all, like all AAA studios are playing a game where they're trying to increase their prices as much as they think people will be willing to pay, but not be the first one necessarily to hit like a new tier, you know, like to go like $70, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like once you get like six, when you go from 60 to 65, people are like, uh, whatever, it's the same. That's the same number, right? You go from 60 to 70 and people will be like, what the fuck? Like last time I bought a game, it was $60, right? And weirdly, because I think it's probably because like movies do the same thing. And actually books do the same thing, right? Like you buy a novel, like every fucking novel you buy is like $15, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it's twice as long, twice as good. <laughs> Made, written by five people at once. Like, it doesn't matter, right? And it's the same deal with movies. Like a movie has a price. You buy it for, I don't know what it is these days anymore because it's all streamed and other stuff, right? But back you don't in the buy day, anymore, but when you, you, know, you don't buy it anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, but back in the day, that when you would buy it for more, it was because it was on Blu ray, right? right? Like the quality you were, was better, basically. Yeah, you were buying the higher cost of the physical item. It had nothing to do with how much it cost to make the movie or whatever. And so games have slipped into that same category, but that never made sense. It never made sense that that was how you paid for those things, that that was uncoupled with the cost of making the thing, right? And so games are in this weird space where they basically inherited the physical retail Mm -hmm. way of selling things. And once they went digital, that changed a lot. Because now if you look at like a marketplace like mobile or Steam, games are priced at fucking everywhere across the board, right? But the ones that are still latched to physical – are like stuck with these like tiers mm-hmm. of things they have to that they have to like j- have to make jumps in the whole market to do it at once, right? It's weird. Yeah, it's it's a weird ecosystem. Yeah, and, and because it's not physical, then it's it's uh it's all psychological. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Um, and so then, kind of the the last little bit, uh, and we uh, we may actually not get to questions this episode, uh, because a lot of really interesting stuff has happened. So we'll make up for it next episode if we if we don't, but. Um, the last bit of industry stuff from this, this epic thing is there was revealed a spreadsheet of data of how much Epic paid indie studios for 
the games that they brought in to be the free game. Because Epic every week has a free game. Um, and they pay the studio for rights to, you know, distribute that game for free. And what was kind of telling about it was that there was a an enormous range mm-hmm. in how much Epic paid studios, ranging from, you know, fifty thousand uh, dollars all the way up to millions of dollars. And uh, the at the and the outcome of bringing any of those games in was completely uncorrelated to how many downloads that game brought, how many players that game brought. There was no real connection, right? Um, so you might have a game that like they paid very little for that brought in tons of players, and again they paid a lot for that brought in almost no players. Mm-hmm. And so I think that speaks to two things. One is nobody has any idea how well a game is going to do, right? Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. uh, and this is something that we hear from Valve all the time, where Valve says like, "Look, we have data on like every PC game sale from the past twenty years, yeah. and we have no idea what games are going to succeed." Right. Uh, it's all it's all a gamble, and you don't really know, right? Um, but on the flip side of that, it also kind of shows that that indie developers often sell themselves short. Oh, 100%. You know, they have a great product that has proven at the test of time in the market. People still love it. Maybe it's a 10-year-old game. Maybe it's a five-year-old game. Um, and to have a company like Epic, you know, with the war chest that they have, come to you and say, hey – We'll give you $50,000 to bring this to our platform um, to just accept that just like at face value and not negotiate that up. I mean, mm-hmm. negotiate that thing, you guys. You have to negotiate every single thing that comes up. Yeah. And we, t- we yeah. talked about this. Uh, we talked about our quarterly, which was about this idea of compounding interest. And one of the weirdest ones, I think, is this is bringing the concept of negotiation into everything you do, both as a studio, as a person, whatever else, because it's not about, it's not about winning in any given, on any given particular deal or uh, like getting some extreme, uh, extreme win in some particular circumstance. It's about the fact that by negotiating, you're going to be getting literally sometimes just like 2% extra stuff, you know, just like, it's like the cross platform strategy, you know? Yep. It's like, on any one platform, who knows what's going to happen? And maybe on all platforms, you don't do very well. But you're on all the platforms, though. So, like, collectively. Yeah. So you're doing well. So over time, yeah. if you just keep on doing this, then you're just – you're literally just doing better. And sometimes – And it's the, it's the cheapest work you can do with the highest payoff because it's just asking questions and saying a few things. Yeah. And then you just suddenly have three times as much money and or this, whatever. Yeah, this is what, like, this <laughs> we, yeah, we have sent – yeah, we've sent emails that have been worth – Emails, oh. just an email with text in it, right? That have been worth months of runway because mm-hmm. we just asked. Yes, yeah, yeah. and they're not—they're not crazy. I think that's that's the thing people get. They're like, "Oh my god, how do you like how do you word it?" And oftentimes, you could just ask, and it's the it's the craziest thing to say that you can just ask someone, be like, "Could we just have uh, more though?" And then make it their problem to figure out how much more. And then they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll literally they'll come back and be like, "Yeah, here's some more," you know. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're just like, well, this is a bit low. That's all you really have to say because, yeah. I mean, you you can you could there are a lot of negotiating tactics. Yeah, you could take a, it. You could take it a lot. It. You could take it a lot farther, right? But at, at baseline, I think what makes people uncomfortable is like being perceived as greedy, being perceived as like burdening the other party who's or ungrateful, money, right? If someone shows up with an offer, right? Or yeah, being worried that the offer will go away. Yeah, the fact is, like, mm-hmm. negotiating is, is just part of it. Everybody wants to do what's best for themselves, right? 
And like if somebody's coming to to you saying like, hey, we want your product, it's because they think that it's valuable. They they need they want that content mm-hmm. for their platform and they think it's gonna benefit their platform. So well, you have something yeah. that they want, your game, and they have something you want, money. So, yep. <laughs> so right. you can find a middle ground uh, so that they still get the game and you get as much money as you can. Um, and that's totally expected. But the key and, to and it fair. is the fact that there is no way to assign a, a absolute value yep. right, to a deal. It's not possible. You can't say that this value is, wor- is actually worth this. When we're talking about a game, when you're talking about things like I want to – Buy a factory that makes widgets that's made exactly this much money for the past five years. It's like, yeah, obviously you can attach a value to that, right? What you're talking about, you want to like, so like with an Epic deal, you're saying, okay, I don't know how many players you even have. I don't know how many people, I don't know how many people, if this game is available for free, will get it for free. Don't know what's going to happen. Of those people, I don't know what fraction will even play it. So, so now you as a person giving up access to the game, you know nothing. You also don't know what's going to be the impact of all these free keys, all these free players on the other platforms that the game is already on, right? Yep. You don't know any of that, and neither does and the other person knows a whole bunch of other stuff, right? But they also don't know for sure. Like they know how many users they have, but they don't know how many years game will, are gonna, is going to bring in, right? Yep. They don't know how well your game is done on other platforms, right? So basically, there's a huge asymmetry in both directions. Everybody's just doing their best. Well, it's not even that. They're just making shit up. You're just, yep. you're just making shit <laughs> up, right? Like, <laughs> so, so when it comes to the negotiation part, when you're trying to evaluate what you think – you're trying to get, just remember that you're making it up. So that number can be anything. It can be as hot. Just keep on pushing it up. It can be anything, right? You just need a way to explain it, right? But within those, reason, of Within course. reason. Yeah. But those, those explanations <laughs> can be anything, right? It can be as simple as like, oh, well, I'm worried about uh, what the impact of this will be on the other platforms. I'm worried it might knock sales down by having all these free copies out, right? And – and so, so I, so you can say, so I, I just need, I just need more to offset the, that risk that I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a lot Which of angles. Very like, fair. Yeah. 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 So 99% of the time they'll, they'll either be like, you know, oh yeah, that makes sense. Or they'll say, actually, here's some information that you didn't have before that we have that we didn't tell you Yeah, that, that speaks to this point that yeah, I, it's just all, it's all a game of like you trying to get as much information as you can. Like, and, and if you're playing the game in a way that's fun, where like you're doing it in good faith and all of that. Then it's basically this just really interesting sort of fact finding and trying to understand what the other person's goals are. It actually know, it, it like, ends up being a collaborative endeavor. Is the, yeah, when it's good. Yeah, it's not adversarial. It's not adversarial at all, which is actually yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I and I think there's there's also kind of a a freeing aspect to just being like, <laughs> I want money and I like it. Yep, I like having it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? uh, and if you can just admit that. Because, like, having more of it is better than having less of it, right? I think we could all yeah. get we could all get behind that, no matter who you are. Um, and it's not gross or slimy or weird to say that, mm-hmm. uh, and and to do what you need to do with these kinds of uh, these kinds of deal negotiations to to get more for yourself. Yeah, I think right? every indie so. studio should read the Never Split the Difference book. Um, Oh yeah, that's the one. Just before you ever, before you decide not to negotiate anything or sign a deal, just please read that fucking book. It'll take a couple hours, <laughs> and you will just start getting twice as much money from everything forever. So you know, as far as like a twelve dollar investment or fifteen, I guess probably for that book, um, it's fifteen because it's a book. But yep. yeah, uh, yeah, which is basically good. how our once we actually started trying to do business deals and negotiate with people, yeah, you know, we we did we took that time, we read these things. Um, 
And and we basically have been doing this practice, right? And and the consequence of it is that we are literally basically twice as what doing twice as well as we otherwise would have been mm-hmm. uh, up to this point. Um, so that's by sending some fucking emails. Like that's that's the thing. I'm like, oh my god, all the work we do as game devs. Yeah, you spend the- years making a game, and people are like, oh, I don't want to send that email. What? What? <laughs> send the email. <laughs> send the email. Uh-huh. Be an advocate for yourself. Yeah, you know, it's all that it is. So. uh all right. Well, sorry we weren't able to uh, we weren't able to get to questions this week. But you know, Sam was gone for a couple of weeks, and a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. Um, so I think are you guys down to we can commit to like next next episode we can just do a, we can do a question blitz. Heck sure, yes. yeah. Okay. So if you got so, questions, load them up. Load them up. Send, into- yep. Load up the questions. Podcast.bscotch.net. Upvote the ones you want to hear about, and uh, we will we will burn through possibly up to three questions next oh, yeah. episode. How many can we get through in? in- in an hour, you know, up to three. Up to three. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.